hello and welcome to another edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montia, occasionally known as the mayor of PHNX and of Four Peaks, by the way. I've declared myself mayor here. Uh, joining me, of course, this is not Jesse Friedman. This is my friend Jack Summers. Those of you that know Jack, Jack has been covering the Arizona Diamondbacks for quite some time, right, Jack? I mean, I'm not... Years. I, you've been around here for a while, but Jack is the uh, Jack is the publisher for Fan Nations Inside the Diamondbacks part of the Sports Illustrated Network. This man knows more about baseball than I... He's forgotten more about baseball than I will no, ever no. know. And uh, we appreciate you for being here, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank Thanks you, for having me. Yep, absolutely. Mostly came in for the free beer. I mean, you know... The, the, beers, are, the beers are not free. What? The beers are not. The beers are not free, Jack. No, I, please stay. I'll pay for your beers, but right, no, it's fine. Right, we, don't, right. we don't want you going off anywhere. But uh, you need a good beer. We hope you have a beer with you in order to watch last night's Arizona Diamondbacks game. Of course, this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, Jack, uh, Zach Davies was not great last night. Uh, this could his next start, or maybe even this start, uh, could be his final start for the D-backs, but. You and I were talking, and, and as you pointed out, the there's there, there's been some ups and downs for Davies this year. And I know uh, a lot of Arizona Diamondbacks fans, I know even Jesse and I, have been pretty quick to write him off that we will probably be seeing him uh, take his exit from this team at, during this, this postseason after you know the offseason. But uh, you think there might be a good chance maybe that Zach sticks around. Yeah, it's kind of the conventional wisdom that uh, you know there's a mutual option between him and the team. Right? Sure, right. And, uh, you it know, just feels it, like he's so he, – he at least had such a good – first half that it right. felt like it was leaning towards him probably wanting to leave and probably get a bigger payday than he could get here in Arizona. Exactly. At this point in time, it's hard to say. Like, you know, if the team turned around and said, hey, what about three, four million instead yeah. of the 1.5 sure. that's on the option? You know, he may consider that. Right. Um, talking to him a little bit in the clubhouse, I mean, he seems to like it here. You know, he doesn't seem disinterested in coming back. You know, it's, it's been tough the second half since his shoulder injury, right? Yeah. You know, he's had a tough time going five. I kind of quipped a little bit to you before we started. You know, the good news is is he got a decision. The bad news is it was a loss. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's it's, he's been unlucky. And, I mean, it's kind of like Zach Gallon too, right? At times, like, Zach Gallon had a lot of outings, but his final uh, win-loss line did not reflect how many starts he had. And right. Zach Davies has been kind of been that guy for the team this year. Yeah, well, you know, this is the second time in his career he's had a shoulder injury. Right. And since he's come back from the shoulder injury this time, his pitch counts have been limited. So, yeah. like, in... The last dozen starts, he's not even gone five innings. Right. So it's a little tough to get a decision when you don't get five innings. You can't get, you know, other than a loss. What are they What are they holding him to as far um, as pitch count goes? I think the highest number in his last dozen starts was like 94, 95 pitches. Okay. Most okay. of them have been around 80, yeah. 85 tops. Okay. Um, so so nothing did, drastic, but still trying not to let him get too high as far as, you know, some of his outings and such. And, right. But last night's game, like, for example, you know, he had a high pitch count right away in the first inning. Yeah, so you right. knew it was like. It's going to be a struggle to get him through five. They I mean, almost the, did. That first inning was incredible. Altuve led the inning off with a home run. It was his 12th leadoff home run of the year. Um, and the Astros sent seven batters to the plate in the first inning uh, and only scored that one run, which at the time seemed lucky. But, yeah, that game just right from the get-go last night's game was just it felt like a nightmare. It felt like a disaster. And it very well ended up being. The Astros hit more home runs in yesterday's game that the Diamondbacks have hit, or, or the same amount, actually, that the Diamondbacks have hit in the last seven days. So it's yeah. it was a, it was an offensive uh, out, outpouring. It wasn't, wasn't a great game for the Diamondbacks. But 
uh, you were pointing out about Davies, just he hasn't really uh, had much run support this season right. when he's actually in the game. Yeah, baseball reference, they have a measure. It's a run support per 27 outs uh, while the pitcher's in the game. Sure. And so this is directly impacting impacting the that pitcher's time versus like, uh, the other the other metrics that could include just whatever runs were scored right. over the whole game, games. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he's uh, at the bottom of the table for the Diamondbacks. I mean, Kelly is at 4-6, Gallon's at 4-3, Bumgarner 3-4, also quite low. Davies only 3.0. Interesting. So, you know, basically they're only scoring a couple of runs while he's in the game generally. So even if he goes five, you know, the odds are he's given up a couple and it's probably a tie ball game or whatever. He's not, you know, not in line for the win. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting. I was I was looking up on um, Baseball Reference uh, stat uh, you know stat um, search tool and, and starters that have had twenty six or more games st- started. Okay, he's only got seven decisions. No pitcher in the history of baseball has had fewer decisions with twenty six or more games started than Zach Davies in in history. That is wild. That well, you got there is a little asterisk to that. There's a caveat. Is, is that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have used an opener? Sure, sure. And so Ryan Stanek uh, did that in 18 and 19. Right, right. right. But this is an actual starting pitcher, right? right. And I mean, obviously, uh, like you said, the shoulder injury has been a big part of that. Right. But uh, it's just it's just an interesting story because Zach Davies has shown at times that he is much better than his uh, stats last season definitely shows, sure. right? And, uh, you know, this year he even had a very hot start, but things kind of even back out. The shoulder injury happened, things like that. So I don't know, but what are your what's your thoughts? Do you think that the Diamondbacks move on from Davies, or do you think that he could be a valuable part of this pitching side of the Diamondbacks that really needs, still, still feels like it needs not only a, some work in the ro- starting rotation, but in the bullpen as well? Yeah, I... I think that it's likely that Davies will get a two-year offer, at least six, eight million dollars a year, sure, something somewhere else. Like, you know, two twelve, two sixteen, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and so, most likely, that'll price him out of what the Diamondbacks want to do in that spot. But if you want to stay here and you take, say, four million, I can see him being valuable to this yeah. team. They're yeah. going to have a lot of young starters next year, right? Right. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's not like you're going to run out um, some of these uh, a Jameson or a Nelson. Sure. Somebody like that, and say, "Here, go qualify for the ERA title and give me 162 innings." It doesn't work that way, right? right, right Guys, right. take a couple of years to ramp up. So, a guy like Davies could still have a lot of value for this team. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, it's all about what he could get on the market, and if the Diamondbacks are willing to try to do whatever they can to keep him here. Uh, Jose Altuve, by the way, had a pretty unprecedented day yesterday. He hit two home runs against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Everybody knows that. That was. Uh, of course, our, our small man was doing big things. But here's the craziest thing. Jose Altuve is number 27. Uh, and yesterday he hit home run number 27 of the season, which was his 1,927th home run of his career on, you guessed it, September 27th. I don't know how these things happen. You can't predict baseball. You can't right? predict. <laughs> <laughs> and we can always find something, right? We can always find something. But we alluded to this. The bullpen is also remains very, very bad. Uh, Zach Davies wasn't great in yesterday's game, but let's be honest. I mean, yeah, the offense didn't generate much. The solo home run by Geraldo Perdomo and by, by Dalton Varsho. But in reality, the bullpen just continued to not only give up runs, but make it so the Diamondbacks couldn't even – realistically have a chance chance in the game right uh 
Ian Kennedy especially gave up three home runs in yesterday's game. And when you talk about the amount of money that this team paid Ian Kennedy to come in and be not only a setup man, but let's be honest, he was a closer that they brought over. Uh, It felt like they had an abundance of closers. And now here we are at the end of the season where that statement seems laughable uh, by comparison to the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's been rough. I mean, you know, look, IPK, right? We always call him IPK. The dude, the he's beard. always been a fly ball pitcher. He's always given up a lot of home runs. That's sure. always been his MO. Yeah. Um, but he usually didn't give up a lot of hits. He didn't walk a lot of guys, kept his whip down, so he was able to keep things under control. But, um, you know, prior to coming here in his previous seven, 70 innings, um, he'd given up 19 homers. And now in 48 innings with us this year, he's given up 11. It's wild. Um, so, you know, it's... 30 homers and 118 innings pitched is not workable. Now this year, he's given up 10 hits per nine, four walks per nine. His whip is, you know, skyrocketing. So, yeah, you know, his five-plus ERA, I'm not even sure how high it got to last night. Yeah, right. Um, you know, it's just not working. So th- there's an option on him. He's definitely not coming back. Right. And, and not only that, but, I mean, let, let's be honest. You can't say the Diamondbacks didn't try to address the bullpen, but what direction do you see them going Right. For to fix this bullpen because obviously, I mean, free agency. Jesse has an article about the free agents out there right. and about addressing team needs. And and as he already said, the the pickings are slim as far as free agency and other options that the Diamondbacks might have there. So I know you guys over there at uh, Sports Illustrated have been kind of talking about it. So what are, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, we um, we started working on um, the bullpen and ways to fix it because everyone's talking about how bad it is, right? Of course. I mean. You know, there isn't one outlet, one pundit, one person that discusses this team that doesn't go, oh, man, this bullpen. Right. Um, And like we said, you know, the weird thing is, is that, like, the bullpen losses, not to cut you off, but the bullpen losses really are not as drastic as other metrics for other teams. Like, literally, when you look down the number of losses bullpens have, it's like one team after the next as far as, like, one number below them, one number below them, one number below them, right? But when you talk about the Diamondbacks being on the high end near 40 or at 40 now or wherever they're at, I think they're 39, and you talk about other teams that are, you know, in in the middle being around 20, like those additional 19, 18 losses that the Diamondbacks bullpens have really do make the difference for this year's team when you talk about a team that has 71, 72 wins. Yeah, I mean – you know, I've crunched the numbers on it. I think it's reasonable to say they should be a 500 team. Sure. You know, right. I mean, I'm not going to put them in a wild card. No. But just give them a mediocre bullpen and they're a 500 team. Right. But, you know, the bottom line is how do you fix it? So sure. um, my my partner over at uh, Fan Nation inside the Diamondbacks, Michael McDermott, um, he's been working on something um, really great. It's, you know, let's look at the five avenues of how to fix the bullpen. Um, it's not just... Who can go and sign as a free agent? Right. right? That always seems to be the easy fix, right? Well, and you hope. But, yeah. you know, number one, to get the really high-octane, high-end guys. Like an Edwin Diaz, who's a free agent this year, yeah, right? I Let's, mean, who's got $15 million to spend? I know it ain't Arizona. It ain't Arizona. You know, so where, where do you start? So the, we're doing a five-part um, series, and we're up to part three now. And part one is who are guys on the roster right now? that could still have a chance to contribute next year. Maybe not in the uh, high-leverage back-end roles, but sure. they could still help out. Like, like a Kevin Smith. G- 
Caleb, Caleb Smith, Kevin Ginkle, even Reyes Maranta. Sure. I mean, these guys can still help you in the middle middle innings. That's absolute unit Reyes Maranta, by the way. We need to get that right. <laughs> absolute unit. Maybe we need to get that in Spanish. I don't know, but he's an absolute unit. But go ahead. Sorry to cut then, you Then, you know, under after relievers on the roster, which Michael already covered, then next was who were some of the relievers in the minor leagues? Um, you know, minor league guys that might come up. Now, sure. they just sent uh, Luis Frias down. Yeah. And, you know, Frias, he throws in the high 90s. If he can ever find a way to control it and get right. a handle on it, right. um, you know, he could help out. Um, you have other guys like uh, Mitchell Stumpo, who has got really good stuff. Yeah. And I saw him in the fall league a couple of years ago. And, you know, he was blowing guys away. But 31 walks and 41 innings. So, you know, it's a matter of getting a lot of guys like that, right. like, over the hump. Right. Um, the third area is... Um, conversion of starting pitchers to relief pitchers and that's kind of for me personally that's an area i'm most interested in michael's article today um covered that and if you get a chance go check us out online um and and see what he had to say because he had some really good points about which starting pitchers might be most suitable might pick up the most stuff might fit better as a reliever it's very hard for the team to give up on a guy as a starting pitcher because there's sure. so much more value, sure. right? They all want to be, you know, get the most value out of a guy as a starter. Again, Once you Caleb, up- Caleb is a guy that comes to mind, right? Because Caleb is a guy yeah. that wanted it, right? He wanted it. He expressed it. He had no problem saying it in interviews. He had no problem telling Tori. Tori had no problem right. saying Caleb wanted it, right? But at the end of the day, it was hard to argue with results when Caleb Smith simply was better out of the bullpen than he was at a starting pitcher. Exactly. It's kind of like, in a way, the Mark Melanson thing where you can't even explain it, right? You're like, I don't know why Caleb Smith is so much better out of the bullpen than he is, but his stuff his stuff plays better. It's, he's, he's nastier. You know what I mean? He attacks batters more. I mean, maybe it's just... The, maybe it's just how young he is still. Who knows, right? Like, But there is there is an interesting thing about that when a guy just seems to be a better fit for the bullpen, but then he becomes so good that people start questioning, like Caleb at one time, so why is back. he in the bullpen? Yeah. Why isn't he back in the starting rotation, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think the bottom line is right now the team has a lot of starting pitching prospects and opportunities, yes, a lot of roles to fill, mm-hmm. right? So they can kind of cut loose a little bit. You know, and the, if you wait too long to put a guy into the bullpen, you're not going to get anything out of him before it's too late. See Luke Weaver yeah, as an right, example. Right, right. You know, so that's who's, the... Who's getting tossed... For having, you know, stare-down competitions now with Robbie Ray. <laughs> that was so bizarre. <laughs> it really was. MLB, pick a lane, right? You either want to have fun or you want to police this stuff. But you can't have it both ways. But anyway, um, of course, the Arizona Diamondbacks have another game against the Houston Astros tonight. We'll talk about that big pitching matchup, of course, between Zach Gallen and uh, Justin Verlander. But before then, we want to make sure that not only do you check out our friends over at SI.com backslash MLB backslash Diamondbacks, uh, but also make sure you're signed up as a member over at gophnx.com. If you don't have your membership yet, you can get an annual membership, uh, which will get you a free T-shirt over at the phnxlocker.com, as well as a uh, you know the wonderful content that you get from all of our writers, including our friend Jesse, who we uh, we don't miss one bit. We don't miss Jesse at all. Jesse's in Seattle, and I just want him to re- just know how replaceable he is no, with Jack no, no, Summers. No, is, is <laughs> nobody's <laughs> replacing no, Jesse. No, nobody's replacing Jesse. I love Jesse. Um, but, of course, if you're watching us right now on the PHNX YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe there. Sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss whenever we go live. And also, uh, if you're listening to us on your favorite audio podcasting app, 
subscribe to us there. Make sure you leave us a five-star review if you enjoy what we're doing. We appreciate you guys uh, for being members. Again, if you don't get that annual membership, make sure you get the month-to-month membership. You'll get your first month for just 50 cents, and you'll still get all the wonderful, uh, not only Discord access, but members-only discounts over at the phnxlocker.com. And a reminder that our office is incredible. And I'm not bragging. It's just the truth. But it wouldn't be incredible if it wasn't for our friends at More Furniture who hooked us up with uh, a wide array of furniture to make our office one of the most comfortable places that I can go right at So and hang out at. So make sure you do that over at, for, at, at More Furniture. Check out their uh, fall sale over at morefurniture.com. Well, Jack, if nothing more, this season has been an encouraging turnaround. But lately, what we've come to realize is it's actually even been somewhat historic. Arizona is one of seven teams since 1900 to lose 110 plus games and then win at least 70 games the following season. We've talked about this before we got on air, but one thing that's very interesting isn't just to look at what happens the next year after the team rebounds, but look what happens subsequently after that. Now, this is the second biggest turnaround in Diamondbacks history. In 2005, they won 77 games after losing uh, a franchise record that year, or the 2004. Uh, the Orioles this year have been at the top. They have actually won the most games uh, in history after having a 110-plus loss season when they're at they're at 80 right now. So, uh, And then we have the Expos in 1970, the Tigers in 2004. This year's team, uh, the Diamondbacks, tied with the Boston Braves from 1936, uh, for that final spot as far as the seven teams that have won 70-plus uh, after losing 110, you brought up, like I said, the uh, what happens kind of from here. And right. that's, I think, what most Diamondbacks fans are interested. Yes, we finally rebounded from this, right? We've come back, which is great. But now, where, where does this road lead us, and, and how soon can we get back to where this team is one of the more competitive teams in baseball? Right. So one of the things I looked at, um, actually— towards the end of last year, is how long does it take a team to actually bounce back towards playoff contention, get over 500, or win 90 games? Um, it doesn't happen in year two after a bad season, or sure. year one, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, nobody's going from losing 105, 110 games to all of a sudden being in the playoffs the next year. Sure. When we talked about the Orioles, you got to remember, they've been this bad since 2018. Right, right. You know, Something the Diamondbacks haven't had to experience. They had one really terrible year. You could argue 2020 being what it was was a bad year, but everybody kind of throws that year in the trash, I feel like, anyway, with, with, with what happened with the pandemic and the right. shortened season, right? So, But, yeah, realistically, the Diamondbacks have had one really bad year, whereas the Baltimore Orioles have had to suffer through this for three-plus three, three plus seasons before getting Finally to this point. Around. Yeah. So I think, you know, for what, the way I looked at it was I looked at teams that had under a 350 win percentage starting since the wild card era, right? Because it's a little bit more relevant to look at what's happened the last 25 years since we've sure. had the, the wild going card. back to 1900 for sure. And, and in year one, not one team that had a, a win percentage under 350 went over 500 the next year. The, the Orioles this year are going to be the first one sure. that have done that. Sure. Um, but still, even, it, even with that being said, the Orioles still have suffered through these years for a number of years before finally being able to break out of it, right? right. So, you know. Then you got the Astros, right? Well, the Astros lost well over 100 games like a couple years in a row. I think be- three. Before they finally turned it around. Yeah. So, you know, you can look, if you look at year two, 
of their three-year run of 100 losses. Sure, by year two after that, yeah. they finally turned it around. But I, I think the Diamondbacks are clearly on the right track, right? You know, yeah. bottom line is, is you don't get to, too lost in the numbers. Um, they were going to win 10 more games anyway just from dead cat bounce, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but we have all these young players. It's exciting. Um, you see these, you know, the what they call the no-gaps uh, outfield that right. Steve Berthune likes to call it on TV. Right. You see young starting pitchers coming up. So this is real. I mean, this isn't just a joke that they managed to win 20 more games. They got holes to fill. They got to fix this bullpen. But it would not surprise me to see the Diamondbacks arrive a year early if they can have a really good offseason. I think the one thing that's wild to me about the bullpen and the way that it's held this team back is that it's it's almost like it's a franchise trait. Jesse dove into this, and like it's incredible yeah. how long this team has had to suffer with having a bullpen. And I, it's the bullpen, right? Like, I mean, again, when you start looking and splitting hairs between other teams, even the best team in the league's bullpen isn't that much better than the next best team and the next best team. And the next, like, they're so close. It's like small amounts pulling them apart, right? But the Diamondbacks literally have the worst as far as losing games and, and, and giving up runs, giving up leads in baseball. I'm laughing because every team's fans say, we've got the worst bullpen. Oh, yeah, right. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Everybody fucking hates their bullpen. Every single buddy does. Everybody has a reliever on their bullpen that blows every game. Every reliever, you know I mean? But I think the frustrating part about this year's team is they have been fun to watch. They have had leads. You talk about Zach Davies earlier and the lack of run support and the lack of kind of bad luck he's had seven decisions in in you know over 26 or more games started like it's crazy right so like there are a lot of things that when you look at this team you can't help but feel like uh, even even if they weren't that bad even if they weren't the worst but they are like the worst in the league i think when i try to defend tory i i think the idea there is at least there was a period of time where I didn't agree with what he was doing, especially when he was sticking with Melanson in the ninth inning, regardless of the situation, regardless if it was a safe situation, regardless if they had a lead or if they were down by one or whatever, right? It felt silly to just automatically have that, you know, like that you go in no matter what with all the analytics and all the numbers we have. But you can't say the man hasn't tried different things this year. And unfortunately, with the pieces he's been given, the players he's been given, Nothing seems to work out, no matter who's every, there at times. When every button you have to push is a self-destruct button, right? you're not going to look like manager of the year. Correct. And and that's the thing is, is that Tori Lovello gets a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of criticism. So does every manager, right? But at the end of the day, he doesn't control the roster. The front office does. They decide who, what pieces they give him. And you can't say that he hasn't tried a bunch of different pieces there. But you also can't say that this team or this year hasn't, hasn't been significant you know like you said in the bounce back the second year after having a terrible season like they had last season is very important because it's about the trajectory and getting back on the right path so as far as your numbers go when do you see it happen do you think it's still going to be one more season out do you think next season could very well be that first year that they break into playoff contention even if just from a wild card perspective or something like that I think to answer this, i got to do it in a roundabout way because I do want to circle back to Go the ahead. bullpen. Sure. One important thing that um, I kind of looked at was in the Mike Hazen era, um, since he's taken over the team, you know, especially since 2018, the team consistently ranks at or near the bottom in reliever velocity, 
which translates directly to at or near the bottom in reliever strikeouts. Okay. And so what that's hap- that's why they struggle so much in high leverage situations. Their win percentage added and other metrics that measure how you do when the game is on the line in a close and late situation. Um, they're the worst, right? That's where they're really the worst. And that's where the losses come from. Sure. And the only way you're going to fix that is you're going to need some velocity guys that can get you a strikeout in a key situation. If you can't get that, you're always at the whims of the baseball gods and a ball in play and the drop in yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So how quickly can they fix that? How quickly can have they identified that? Yeah. And will they fix that? They need a couple of high-octane guys. If they can get a couple of high-octane guys in here that can get them a key strikeout and fire some strikes while they're at it, you know, not walk the house. Yeah. Um, they could easily be over 500 next year. Now, that makes a lot of sense because Melanson and Ian Kennedy are both, I'm not going to say similar pitchers, but like like you said, neither one of them is blown any way with their velocity. These yeah. guys are like accuracy pitcher. These are guys that try to mostly get you to hit, what, in like a ground ball situation right. or, or something like that? Yeah, hit in the contact, right. Uh, what do you think about Luis Frias? Because I know we've talked about him being a little bit like a old wild thing Vaughn there where – if he and throws 104, <laughs> drink yeah, you need to drink, have a sip, uh, because he definitely seems like a guy that has, he has the velocity, he has the power, but he can't control it, right? And it's like, I know he's still a young guy, but yep. then that's part of the problem, right? Is It's like, there's guys like Duvall for the San Francisco Giants that can throw a 102 mile an hour, 104 mile an hour sinker and have that son of a bitch land in the strike zone, exactly. whereas you have... Frias, who if he throws over 100, it feels like he has no idea where it's going to land. So he has to kind of, like, yeah, he can't throw as hard sure. because if he does, he, he's not going to have any control. Well, he's got to dial it back, or by the right. time he manages to come in the strike zone, he's down 3 1 in the count and they're Correct. just sitting on the fastball. Yeah, right. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't be behind in every count like he is, right? I, but God, I hate to use this phrase, but, you know, million dollar arm, 10 cent head. Yeah. I, the other night watching him. You know, there was there was a pass ball. Yeah. The other, uh, the last home game or the second last home game. Um, yes, the Cooper Hummel had yeah. two pass balls, right? Yeah. And on the second one, you know, the runner rounds third, and he never came home. Like he never even came home to to back up to, the play to to cover the plate. Oh, to cover the plate. Yeah, right? I see what you know, you're saying. Yeah. You know, uh, Hummel's behind the plate digging out the ball. Right, right, right. He picks it up and he sees that you know, Frias never came home, and he had to sprint back to home plate. Yeah. Fortunately, Hummel's pretty quick on his feet. Sure, right? sure, sure, sure. So, you know, but runner he didn't try to, to make that play. So, you know, it's not just being able to throw strikes. It's having his head in the game. I think he needs a pretty big mental fix, and I don't know where that's going to come from. Yeah. Do you think maybe that being on the Major League roster might be part of that? Because, again, uh, being around Brent Strom and, and company seems like a good idea, especially for young guys, right, to have them kind of get that elite-level coaching. Yeah, but, you know— I don't know how much time they're actually spending talking to each other. Sure. You know, I mean, he's got 14 pitchers to deal with. He's got a, a bullpen full of relievers. Um, he doesn't speak English. Yeah. You know, so I don't know how much of Brent Strom's magic is able to get sure. to him. Sure. You know, he, he needs a mentor that, you know, Spanish-speaking mentor that can really help him figure it out mentally. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Diamondbacks have had guys like this before in the past, and I know that that's kind of been the case as well right i mean they've had a couple of guys that had issues outside of baseball uh yon lopez is one name that i think of that seemed like he could really be just an absolute stud but like you said with him 
there was there was a lot of things outside of baseball. There was a lot of other right. things going on with him mentally. Um, and again, it's it's really about trying to trying to find the right person the right to, to fit the job. Right. I think the Diamondbacks still. Uh, I think they're going to be a much more desirable spot for people to land. And I think they will be able to get some guys maybe in free agency or whatever, but not guys that they spend a ton of money on. It's not going to be the league leader in closers like they did with Mark Melanson. And again, that's another reason why. It's like, as much as you want to rail Mike Hazen and Troy Lavolo and this entire organization for not doing something to address their bullpen, they did go out and pick up the league leader in saves during the offseason, right? Just didn't work out. And that's the part that's frustrating, not only for us as fans, but for them. But it's really why you can't can't place blame anywhere other than saying, like, it sucks. It sucks. You know, I guess you could place blame on Mark Melanson, right? But even for him, I'm sure this has been a nightmare. You know, this has been a nightmare, I think, for everybody involved when it comes to these acquisitions. Yeah, I mean, there's some bad luck there. Obviously, look, you know, when you bring in consistently bringing guys in your mid-late 30s. I know. You're that much closer to the look, edge of the cliff look, and you don't know look, where it's at. Look, I get this with Jesse. I didn't fucking think I was going to get it with you, sir. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I will say this. If I was an agent of a fly ball pitcher, yeah. I'd be making a beeline for <laughs> my case in front door. Right? Because look at the outfield that they have. Yeah. I mean, what a defense. It's yeah, so much fun to point. watch. That's you know? a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. And of course, another good point is that I've been talking about this. You guys might not have been listening, but I'm getting the best night's sleep of my life, you guys. And that's thanks to our friends over at OG's Gummies, who, by the way, voted for me and backed me up in yesterday's poll, which I won, Leah. Fake. <laughs> and I, demand a, I demand a recount. Now, you know what? This woman tried to bury me by saying I was going to wa- eat OG's and just watch Gummies. She left out the whole part about getting high. I couldn't high. fit it on and the graphic. Like, specifically, the Wu-Tang Clan, 36 Chambers of Wu, was very important there. Uh, that was a critical aspect of that. And I still won. And you know what happens when I win? They're just like, oh, you have more followers than me. Oh, so what? So I'm more popular than you? Why is that my fault? Jacob and Leah. Anyway, uh, Jacob, by the way, has more family members on Twitter than I anticipated. So uh, that wasn't an entirely easy battle to win. But I am thankful to my friends at OGs for helping me get to the finish line and beat these. She picked listen to the Hamilton soundtrack twice in a row. My God. It's elite. Oh, my God. I don't want to hear the slander. Uh, here's what you should do. Go, go in, in honor of my victory, go pick up some OG's gummies from our friend, wherever you get your local uh, edibles at your local dispensary. Uh, they just launched their brand new sleep edition gummy that I've been talking about so much. It's how I beat these guys. I got a great night's rest. I was mentally sharp. Uh, I didn't even know that the Mandalorian had a runtime of five hours and 15 minutes. I just pulled that out of my pocket, son. And that's what happens when you get a good night's sleep. Thanks to my friends at OG's. You don't want to sleep on these gummies, or actually, that's exactly what you want to do. They have a two-to-one uh, THC to CBN, and CBN is a compound that helps you not only fall asleep, but stay asleep, and that's the best part about it. Uh, we can all fall asleep. I mean, we all have, uh, you know, plenty of plenty of things to fall asleep to, but it's the waking up in the middle of the night at 1 o'clock in the morning and being wide awake part that sucks, at least for me. So get your uh, friends over at OG's. Get your sleep gummies. Uh, they have a brand-new aquaberry flavor that's absolutely delicious. We highly recommend you check them out over at OG's online at ogsbrands.com or on Instagram at ogsbrands. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Uh, and enjoy responsibly. And, of course, we're enjoying some beers responsibly. Cheers to you, sir. Thank you so much uh, to Jack for being here with me. We are here at Four Peaks. Uh, if you guys are here at Four Peaks, too, 
congratulations. You must be having a great time, enjoying some beers. I had the fish and chips, which were excellent. I think I found my new favorite dish, uh, but you can, too, here at Four Peaks, uh, not only the H Street Pub, but they sell their beer anywhere you get your beer. So if you're not here, if you're not enjoying their food, not joining us here, we have this coming every month. We'll be at the, here at the final Wednesday of every month. Uh, and until then, you can go grab yourself some Four Peaks at your local grocery store, wherever you get your beers. Uh, you should be here, too, but we understand that everybody can't be. So uh, we hope you're watching. Hope you're having a good time. And uh, also, hope you're enjoying some Four Peaks. It must be 21 years or older to enjoy that as well. Uh, we, only got, we, we, only, we only got a few more games, right? We only got, what, seven more games left in the Diamondback season. Uh, and tonight might be the biggest pitching matchup left in the Arizona Diamondbacks season. Zach Gallon on the mound going up against Justin Verlander. Just some all-time stuff, right? So, I mean, if you like pitching, this is If you like pitching, this is what it's all about. Not only that, but, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to say it's a changing of the guard, right? But Zach Gallon really is. He has, he has become one of the hottest pitchers in Major League Baseball. Justin Verlander is just timeless. He continues to do it. And somehow he continues to do it currently at his age at, at an absolutely elite level. He's amazing. I mean, what, 40 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery. It's wild. You shouldn't even be able to do that, like come off Tommy John surgery and be as good as you've it, been. And somehow he's better. Well, you know, you look at his career and, and everything that he's done. And it's just he's he's our Roger Clemens. You know, he's yeah. our yeah. stud. He's yeah. our Randy Johnson for this generation. And, uh, yeah, it's just been fun to watch. It's a little different version. He doesn't have a complete game this year. Sure. He's averaging a little over six innings. But it's like the highest potential quality six innings that you're going to get. 1.82 ERA Nuts. leads the world in whip. I mean, yeah. like, you know, he's just been phenomenal. 17 and 4. Yeah. You know, pitching like that on a good team, forget about it. Right. You know, uh, Zach Allen, though, I mean, here he comes. Uh, one more plug. Michael uh, McDermott wrote a really good article today um, about where Zach Allen might place in the NL Cy Young race. Sure. And while it might be hard for him to overtake Sandy Alcantara. Uh, at hard the same, for anybody to do that at this point. At the same time, I mean, Gallon's got a strong case for number two. Sure. No worse than number three. Uh, Michael made a great case today. If you get a chance, check it out. Um, yeah, Gallon's 8-1 and one with a 1.15 ERA in 12 starts since the All-Star break. You know, and of course, he had those scoreless streak, 44 yeah. and a third. So you yeah. guys covered all that. Um, it, it's really fun to watch him pitch. I mean, you can use all four or five pitches. So it, it should be a treat tonight. It should be that's, really exciting. That's the that's the one thing about Zach Gallon is uh, at times one of his best pitches, at least at times, I'm not saying lately or whatever, but at times his changeup has been one of his best pitches. And he doesn't even throw it right. seemingly anymore, just right? Like, it, yeah. I mean, he's just back shelfing it. And I mean, I think I say that because his other stuff is so sharp, it's so good. That the changeup usually is just kind of it takes people off guard. It makes it makes batters look bad at times, right? But then, you know, again, there's there is something to say. Uh, I think about curveball, right? His curveball has been excellent this year. A couple starts ago, I think he threw like forty curveballs or forty four curveballs yeah. out of yeah, like yeah. you know eighty five, ninety pitches, ninety five pitches. It was incredible. I was like, wait a minute, what? Do you feel the game plan is getting better for the Diamondbacks? Because we saw that out of Dre Jamison where mm -hmm. he barely threw any sliders in his first start and then had a pretty equal, if not even a majority of his pitches thrown sliders in his second start. It feels like, I, I don't know, as a person outside of the organization that knows nothing about what I'm talking about, that feels like a pretty good game plan to kind of like try to keep, keep, your, uh, keep your opponents off balance like that. Well, you know, they have um, Dan Heron working in the background. 
who helps them design sure. strategy and game plans, right, yeah. for how to attack hitters. And if you mem- remember, you know, if your audience remembers what kind of pitcher Dan Heron was, I mean, he moved the ball around, he changed speeds. He Dan Heron is pitchers. one of Dan Heron is one of the smartest individuals I've ever spoke to in the in, in the in the clubhouse. I think yeah. him and Brandon McCarthy are yeah. two guys that had like such an incredibly high baseball IQ that at times when they started explaining stuff, you would almost see them stop and go, "Oh wait, I got to dumb it down for these guys real fast." <laughs> Let me back yeah. up a second, you know. Well, he's like that, but I mean, and that's a great point because that leads into what I was saying, where Dan Harron's ability to help a pitcher with a game plan has a lot to do with how smart is that pitcher, and does he have three or four pitches to work with? Right. You give Dan Harron somebody like a Zach Greinke or a Zach Gallen, you know. I was going to say that makes putting. sense why Zach Gallen is so has come on so strong, right? Like because Zach exactly. Gallen is that guy. So you know he's going to be able to help that guy a lot more than the two pitch pitcher who might have a fringy third pitch. You know, like how much can you game plan? Yeah. I want to get your thoughts on this. Zach Gallon one day in the clubhouse told us that he really didn't care about a no-hitter. Like he wasn't willing to go to an extreme pitch count or anything like that in order to accomplish a no-hitter. But he would for a perfect game. You th- you, do you think a lot of pitchers have that similar like thought I, process? I missed that particular quote. That's pretty interesting, actually. I mean, I think Zach, again, he's very cerebral, right? And he knows that a no-hitter, a lot of luck involved, right? With balls in play. Exactly what he pitch, said. Pitchers can't control what happens exactly to the ball Exactly what play. he said, yeah. But if he's not walking anybody at all, right, he's not giving up any homers, he's not, you know, he's striking out a lot yeah, of guys. Not even any he gets errors. a no-hitter. Yeah. Then at that point, you know, he's controlling everything that he could possibly control. Sure. So I could see where that would that would be pretty key. If sure. he walked a couple of guys, it's like, who cares if I give up a hit? Yeah. I, I think that's his mindset. Yeah, that's absolutely it. That's it. Like, yeah, I'm like not I'm, not, I'm not doing anything that's going to potentially impact my season just to get a no-hitter tonight on May 26th, you know, when there's still three, four months of baseball left. It's funny. He asked me, he goes, how come you, like, hardly ever ask me any questions? And I said, because a couple times I asked you questions, you looked at me like I had two heads. And I realized that I wasn't asking smart enough questions, you know. And, uh, I mean, I like to think I kind of know what I'm talking about. But he's so smart that you really have to, like, bring your A game when you want to ask him a question. It's funny you say that, though, because on the flip side of that, one thing, me being me, I've noticed is he still is very laid back. And he's still, like, one of the coolest, most approachable players in the dugout. And him and Merrill Kelly, the two of them, like, considering that they are – arguably the best players on the team uh, right now. You could say that about both of them. They're both just very down-to-earth guys. When you're, especially they, I think they have uh, lockers next to each other in the clubhouse. So you're talking to one, the other one's giving you shit when you're asking him questions (laughs) and stuff. I mean, it's so great, but they're also just very uh, like, I'd say Merrill Kelly's a little bit like that. At times, Merrill Kelly like, he's he's got a very high baseball IQ. Merrill Kelly's he hasn't been in the majors for a very long time. But he has so much experience in baseball that he's like a he's like a 20, 30 year vet, even though he's been in baseball for like three, four. He's also got a sneaky sense of humor. He does. So funny. So funny. They're they're both very funny individuals. You know, a lot of people compare him to Chris Elliott, right? You know, doppelganger. Yeah, absolutely. When we were only doing Zoom (laughs) interviews one time, Kelly comes out and he's wearing 
the uh, yes, beanie hat. The beanie hat from just Groundhog Day. From Groundhog yeah, I know. Day. Right? And then and then at the same time, while he's doing the interview, he starts doing this with his beard. <laughs> right. And I asked him later, I'm like, dude, come on. Tell you were you doing that right? He's like, no, not me. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're a liar, Merrill Kelly. I still have that video. I'll show you after the show. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, of course, you guys know we wouldn't be here without our friends from DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank Jack for being here. Uh, new customers right now can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win. If your team wins, you will get $200 in free bets instantly as a new customer. But there's not just that. There's the stepped-up same-game parlays that you can get all season long over at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. For every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. Trust me, I do that. It uh, doesn't mean I win, but I try my best to boost my uh, odds as best as possible. It's funny because now I'm to the point where, like, a small payday isn't good enough for me, Jack. I need to, <laughs> I need to win $1,000 every time or else it's not good. I'm spoiled now. But uh, to make things even sweeter, DraftKings is offering you those stepped-up same-game parlays uh, once per game day all season long. So make sure to get down on that. It's this simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook on your app, uh, on your phone, wherever you get your apps. Uh, use our code of PHNX and sign up. That's promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And, of course, make sure to continue to buy your tickets last minute. Don't buy them ahead of time. Don't be a planner. You wait. Here's the thing. You don't know what's going on. You're going to buy tickets for a show on February 26, 2023 today and not know what's going to happen over that. What the hell? You might not you might not even live in this state anymore. So what you want to do is wait. Buy your tickets last minute and do it over at game time. You can get 60% off of ticket face value when you buy tickets last minute. It's great for procrastinators out there, but let's be honest, it's great for everybody. You want to plan? Don't plan. Wait. Maybe you don't get. To, maybe you don't want to go. Maybe that night you had a long day at work. Your dogs are barking. You don't want to go stand at a concert. You don't want to buy tickets that far in advance. Be obligated to go. You know that feeling. That feeling when you want to make up an excuse as to why you can't go with your friends to the show. Don't do that. Instead, show up and surprise your friends by buying tickets last minute, and then you can brag to them about how much you saved uh, by buying your tickets at last minute, sixty percent off. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets uh, through our link in the description on our show notes, and of course. Uh, we always throw those uh, links up there as well. So we thank you guys again for doing that, for being procrastinators with us. I don't know about Jack, but me and Jesse always talk about procrastinating to buy tickets. We get FOMO real bad, right? Like right. it's like you're not going to go, but then the last minute your friend, exactly. you go, I want to go. I want to go to the thing. But um, thank you so much for being here. Made a note. Well, he makes a note. He's, got, he's getting down the game time. He's getting his tickets last minute. But uh, we thank you guys so much for being here. Thank my friend Jack for being here. Appreciate you, sir. Uh, we got some more beers to drink. We got a Diamondbacks game to watch, so make sure you guys get down and do that. Starting here shortly against the Astros, second game of their series. It's going to be a good one. Zach Gallon and Justin Verlander on the mound. Of course, until then, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Cap underscore Caveman with a K. This guy over here, he's the shoe at Shoe Wizard fifty nine. Uh, you can get our show at PHNX underscore Dbacks. But of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here. We thank any, everybody that showed up here at Four Peaks. Uh, of course, on behalf of Jack, myself, and Leah, we always thank you for your time. And remember, kids, Cheers. baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you watch a baseball game with your dad. <laughs>